now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Steve Swigert, who during his near-death experience went to a heavenly realm, and today we're going to learn about it. Steve, thank you so much for being my guest today, and welcome. Absolutely, uh, Jeff. Thank you for having me today, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for doing your work documenting people's near-death experiences. It's my pleasure. All right. If you don't mind, can we start on the day that it happened and go from there? Sure. Uh, well, the date of my medical event is what I call it because it was several things that kind of were wrapped up in the one was August 12th, 2018. And uh, that was a Sunday, as I recall. Um, Friday, the preceding Friday, I was at the local theater where I serve on the board of directors. And we had an event down there. Uh, usually I would be more active uh, down at the event, helping where I can help and keeping an eye on things. But I had sat up in the office that night, mostly. I had quite a headache and was just uh, out of breath, tired. Uh, you know, different kind of fatigue than usual, uh, but but I've experienced before. And long story short, uh, the night wrapped up probably about one o'clock in the morning. I left the theater and walked home, which is a mile and a half, two miles probably. And uh, I don't really remember anything. Uh, you know, the Saturday morning is when I got home. So like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. I don't remember anything at all of any part of Saturday after that. Sunday, uh, I vaguely remember that I had a um, a uh, neighbor come by, a friend of mine come by and visit. Uh, I don't recall that very well at all. But there came a point on Sunday in the morning, and and I think it was maybe two or two thirty in the morning, roughly. Uh, there came a point where I don't know if I woke up or if I was watching TV, but I had been lying in bed because I still had not been feeling well this over the stretch of time. And I just instinctively knew like, uh Oh, this is not good. And, uh, I started having my vision kind of close in on me to where, uh, really, I don't want to call it tunnel vision such that I saw a tunnel. That's not what happened, but it was like a blackness just started, uh, from the outside in, in narrowing in on my vision. And I picked up my phone and I saw it looked like four screens or seven screens to dial like a kaleidoscope of screens. And I stuck my index finger out and was dialing on the phone. Uh, I noticed that my finger at least lined up with, you know, one finger lined up with one button that I was trying to push, but it did it to all of the same picture. So I just said, well, at least I know my fingers go to the right place. And uh, I believe I dialed 911. It could have been the local police, uh, but I'm pretty sure I dialed 911. And uh, I told them that I felt certain I was having a heart attack. They asked me had I had any heart history, and, and I had. So I shared with them what I could and uh, told them to please bring the defibrillator in the house because I knew that this was dire. Uh, it was very apparent to me. Um, I was having, before I had the drop dead heart attack, part of my heart attack, which was caused by Takasubo syndrome, better known as a, a broken hearted syndrome in the vernacular. Um, uh, I uh, was having an ischemic stroke for, from the lack of oxygen. And uh, I told the 9-11 operator, uh, a woman, I told her that I wanted to make sure that my door was unlocked, that I had dogs, and I was concerned that, you know, if they had to break my door to get in, that the dogs would not be able to be held in the house if, when they took me to the hospital and everything. I told them to bring the defibrillator. So I just took a couple steps out of my room to the top of my uh, staircase, and that was it. It felt like uh, I'd never been shot by a high-caliber weapon. Uh, I've certainly not been shot by a nail gun, but it almost felt like I got shot by a nail gun right in the middle of my chest. Just uh, like a Charlie horse and the calf times a million or something. And I knew that was it. And I, I just down the steps I went and uh, my uh, uh, walls, on the exterior walls on my house, not the interior load bearing walls, but the exterior walls of my house are double brick with plaster. So they're, you know, as hard as a rock, basically. And uh, there's a scar on my neck here. 
I went down the steps and broke my neck. And there came a point, I don't know if I was knocked out for 30 seconds, five minutes or what, but there came a point where I stood up and my neck was like this and I, I could not straighten my neck out and I was screaming in pain. I took my left arm and pushed it over to try to assess. I couldn't even lift my arm up by itself. I had to use my right hand uh, to, to use my left arm over my back to lift it over my back. And I wanted to see if there was a, you know, I really thought there was going to be blood and bone protruding and there wasn't. And at the same time, I'm just thinking, how on earth can I be moving? How on earth am I still alive? Uh, and I went and sat on the floor and I, uh, so I was sitting like this and I slammed my neck into the floor three times where I felt that was, uh, uh sticking out, um, and then I went to a place of blackness. And when I was there, uh, my only thoughts were, uh, how do I get back? Uh, and I'm not gonna say the name, but to, to the person that I was in love with at that time and uh, and my dogs of all things. And, uh, you know, in, in that first moment, I just, I wanted to come back. Uh, that was really all that was on my mind. And um, the next thing I remember after that, and I feel 100% certain I was laying in my uh, house on the floor in the same place, was uh, waking up to CPR. So I had aspirated. That's when you uh, basically when they're giving you the chest compressions, uh, if you get air inside the uh, stomach, the abdominal, not the abdominal cavity, but in the stomach and, and in the esophagus trap, you can aspirate fluid out. And uh, so I remember, I'm pretty sure there was a guy on each side of me and just woke up and just spewed uh, just like a fine mist all over the place. And then from my belly button straight up, they had a tube in me, I'm sure, a breathing tube uh, to, to make sure my airway wouldn't be clogged. And they ripped that thing out as soon as I started showing signs of consciousness. And it, it, I just remember that feeling really distinctly. And then I was very combative uh, but then I realized, oh, these, these are the people that I called. I had a heart attack and, you know, and at that point, the next thing I remember is, uh, well, there comes a point where I really think this happened, but I'm not sure they, I'm pretty sure they were taking me out on one of those electric medical beds that kind of scissors up and down so you can raise and lower the height of them. And, uh, uh, where my doors are on my house, I have a front door and a back door, but they're both on the side of the house. And then I only have about uh, five or six feet of sidewalk on that side of the house and it's down steps because I live in the mountains. And, uh, and then there's nothing else there. I'm pretty sure they fell over there or knocked the bed over or something. Mm. Um, the uh, UPMC Western Maryland Campus Hospital is i'm just gonna say approximately it's about the same distance as the theater from my house uh one and a half to two miles away so the next thing i remember is i'm uh flying over the ambulance or i'm out of my body i should say and and above the ambulance looking down and knowing that my body is in there and i'm dead and that they're working on me and uh i always felt like from really like from the first moment when I was in the place of blackness and I thought for sure that I was going to, uh, well, first that, how do I get back after I came to, from the CPR part of it, I had a very sure and certain feeling that I'm definitely going to come back and survive all of this, which I can't explain. It's just a knowingness I had inside of me. And that compelled me to try to go deeper into the experience uh the, of what was taking place uh the outside of my body part the visiting you know the other realm that i've heard of from others uh and read about even when i was very young so i'm above the ambulance realizing that they're working on me inside of the ambulance and uh you know realizing at that point that uh, obviously i died again 
Um, when they got here, they had to give me CPR because I didn't have a heartbeat. I was not responsive. I did talk to a police officer later that was one of the first people, if not the first person on the scene. And he said I was dead when he arrived and that I was blue. Uh, when he saw me, I called him. You know, this is long after my medical event. I made a phone call because I had thought I had heard a gunshot downtown near the theater. So he came to report it. And I didn't know that that was the police officer that had come to my house, but his eyes were as big as silver dollars. And I said, uh, did you happen to come by my house and help when I had a large medical event? And he said, oh yeah, that was me. And his eyes just, they stayed huge like that because he knew for sure I was gone, you know? And uh, so I'm over in the ambulance. I remember being defibrillated uh, once I'm in the hospital, I think. It, it could have even been in the ambulance, but I, I my, my memory, which isn't real sharp on this point, is that I feel like I was defibrillated three times at the hospital while the medical team was working on me there. And uh, I woke up in a room where they had been working on me, and I'm pretty sure that's the same room I was in when they defibrillated me. Uh, so in this whole event on August the 12th of 2018, I know I died twice, maybe even three times, um, when I was defibrillated, I just remember everybody working furiously around me. I was still not in my body, but then I, I didn't pay attention to all that so much. Cause I wanted to just like, you do see a light, you do feel this almost magnetic pool. That's going to take you into this other realm. And you very clearly know, like I'm dead or I'm dying. It's it's an indelible experience from that point of view. And again, it's that knowingness that you, you know precisely what's happening at this point, uh, you know, to yourself. Uh, but I also remember when they lost me, uh, meaning they had stopped their attempts, the resuscitation at this point was not uh, uh, successful. I remember like even their energy, their collective energy just seemed to leave the room with disappointment like they tried those people try so hard they work so hard and they're truly so disappointed when they uh you know attempt everything that they've learned and and here they are practicing that and it's not successful and that was a powerful powerful experience just to feel that and uh at that point um well i'll tell you when i when i woke up so i departed and I'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Uh, but when I when I came to, I, well, basically, I I went to uh, heaven for sure. And there were several things that happened there, and I'll get more into the particulars of that. But when I came back and I was hovering above my body again, uh, and it was time to, I'll say, step back into my body, um, I wasn't quite sure how to do that and my first thought was instantly well i've always been really good at talking so i'll just start talking and i started talking and, and i just very quietly said because i didn't want to alarm them i knew that i was dead i knew they knew i was dead i said so i guess i died and i kind of said it loud enough more than a whisper but soft enough but but the nurse so i'm laying supine my back down on the bed face up laying flat and the nurse is down at the uh end of the bed by my left foot and she has her back to me at this point and i think she's cleaning up stuff that they had at the on one of the countertops there and and reorganizing things and and I think the doctor's kind of doing the same thing or making notes behind me or something. So, so he's uh, behind me and on my right side and uh, not above my head, but behind my head, I guess I should say. And uh, anyway, so I said, so I guess I died. And she turns around and looks at me in same eyes as the police officer, just huge. But she gasped her mouth. Just, you know, just completely shocked. And she's like, oh, my God, what do we do? She, and she says that to the doctor. And the doctor's shocked, but not as shocked. And and he says, well, I guess we have a patient again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. From that point forward, I knew I was fine. I knew I was going to be fine. 
I had no fear about, uh, uh, well, I had surgery three days later, uh, to have a pacemaker and a, uh, defibrillator implanted. Uh, but I had no fear going into that. I also studied on YouTube while I was at the hospital. I found some medical doctors that were on YouTube that had excellent videos about, uh, the placement of a defibrillator and a pacemaker. And, uh, then I read some different, uh, personal experiences about people that have gone through the process. And so I, I knew pretty, pretty, uh, good details about how that whole process would work. But my point is I didn't have any fear of death. And I didn't think I, 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 I knew I wasn't going to die from this point forward, not in the short interim, you know, uh, in any way. Uh, but before that, when I'm being defibrillated and the medical team's working on me, and I'm pretty sure they gave me CPR there at the hospital again also before defibrillation, uh, and maybe even in between defibrillation, I'm not sure. But, you know, I went to this place there were there were several different things that happened there was one part where i heard music it's just all i can say it was celestial music and uh well i tell you the, the first thing that happened is i went through what i call a wormhole throat so it looked like a kaleidoscope of colors and we often see uh if you're watching physics movies or astronomy movies we, we'll see uh, what a depiction is of what a wormhole threat looks like. And, and it kind of just looks like a twisting uh, tube uh, of light, you know. Uh, and I mean like the tube itself spinning. It's twisted snake kind of body like, but you're on the inside of it. And, uh, you know, that that I didn't see a bright light like like. Uh, well, there's a beacon over there, but there was light in that direction that was definitely way brighter than where I was, and I was drawn through that thing like a magnet. Uh, but I I flew through it, and it was like a kaleidoscope of of lights uh, and just luminescing beautiful colors. Uh, you know, and we always, or I always fall short on words describing this stuff because it's just not the same as this realm. It's just something akin or similar to this realm. And, uh, so I go through that and, uh, I know immediately when I arrive that I'm in front of the great council in the sky and that might sound kind of silly, but my sister said, well, what happened? Where did you go? And I said, well, I know I was at the great council in the sky. And the same time I'm telling her that I never had that thought before. I had never read that before. I had never articulated that to anybody before. I don't even know. Like, I just knew that's that's where I was and that's who I was with, you know. And uh, there were other spirits there, but I couldn't see them. And I felt like uh, there wasn't music all of the time, but there came a point in time where there was music there. And it was like each soul's presence there had a uh, a tone uh and again not an earthly tone and then collectively you know how you can have your harmony and your melody and your background rhythm or percussions and with drums or something but not the saying that there was drums but there's different parts that compose a song it was like each one of us had a different part in these beautiful beautiful songs uh, that I was hearing, but they were absolutely not of the earthly realm songs that we all know and, and hear. Uh, just celestial music is the best description I can give it. And I just can't much, it, you know, I, this might sound silly, but I've always found the uh, wind chimes with the really big cylinders just soothing when I hear them. And uh, it's, it was like soothing times a million more times soothing than that just a, a calmness that washes over you you're also just totally uh in this place of uh, a pure love that uh sadly doesn't exist on earth i feel like it could but you know that you're loved by these beings um i didn't have a life review i just uh Next thing I think I remember at that point is uh, I'm uh, with the one that I was in love with at that time in this other realm. And uh, she's still alive today. She was obviously still alive then. Um, but we were light bodies 
we weren't, uh, you know, there were points like when I was traveling through the wormhole throat on the way to the great council in the sky, as I like to say it, uh, I felt only as, uh, a non-material, non-physical being, I was just a point of consciousness and knowingness, if that makes sense. And uh, I've heard others describe that they had a, a 360 degree view. I had a, a spherical view that I could see in every single direction. And of course, you could you could focus in on looking at whatever you want to look at, but you could see in every direction around your your own presence, if that makes sense. Um, I remember. It, and it seemed like when I went through the wormhole throat, it seemed like I saw the beginning of mankind and then all the way to the end. And it was like I started out, if you think of a rocket launching and it launches off the launch pad slow and then it picks up, picks up acceleration so that it can break through the atmosphere and, and make it to outer space. It felt like, you know, that the process started slowly when I started going into the wormhole th throat and then just faster and faster and boom, I was there. And, and it seemed like watching a film or something of humanity, but I don't remember all that. I just know I saw it all. And, you know, I told friends when I came back, I said, hey, things are going to get really tough now coming up. You know, and of course, <laughs> most people just think you're a little crazy if you start talking about these things. And, you know, things have gotten tough, though. Uh, and things are unfortunately getting more difficult around the world. Uh, and I think on a personal level for a lot of us, but I don't want to delve into those things. I want to, uh, you know, I, I went over the pyramids when I was there. I don't know why that's the thing I remember so clearly, but I remember lots of people working together to build that and, uh, no, no special, uh, tools or anything from my experience or what I've used, just hard work, working smart with uh, mostly pulleys and ropes uh, and and just a lot of labor and, uh, and animals. Uh, I want to say maybe elephants or water oxen or something like that, you know. Um, and, and then I don't really remember anything clearly uh, with, with what I saw. And then I arrived at the Great Council in the Sky. So the next thing is then I, I'm leaving there. Uh, no life review in front of the great council of the sky, but I'm at a meadow with the one that I was in love with at the time. And uh, I say meadow, I, I don't know if that's the right word, but it was like we were walking through the woods together in our light bodies. So we looked like we look in our physical form, but it was like, if, if you've read about auras, a lot of people say they can see auras. It felt kind of like, wow, I'm seeing the aura, but like, we're just auras. We're not physical anymore. We're just like, we look the same, but we didn't talk. We, we could communicate with telepathy. We just, you know, it wasn't even a, you didn't have to make an effort to talk, you know, or communicate. It just was a knowingness once again. And then you could just tell like, you know, oh yeah, you nod maybe. Oh yeah, of course that's what I'm, what I'm thinking. And so we we're at the edge of the woods, and we uh, get to a huge field of just beautiful flowers. And I remember it being kind of breezy, like at the beach. And uh, you know, the beach is typically kind of breezy and and cools you off a little bit. And it felt kind of uh, breezy like that. And then far off in the distance i saw a castle and it's like i knew that was our castle and it, the castle i think was more of a uh real where we were but more of a um example of what's awaiting us all you know heaven can be our castle in the sky if you want to uh, put it in those kind of terms uh and, and if you want to call it heaven i don't like to argue over the details or the names of all these things so much as that we all kind of conceptualize the same thing we just might articulate it a little differently but it seemed that there you know uh one thing there there was a point where i think it was after we were just together there by ourselves there were other presences with us i don't recall if it was past loved ones that i've lost uh or, or you know uh 
friends from the past that are lost or anything of that nature. I don't know who was there. I don't recall that part of it, but I just know that there, there was a point there where it was, what was abundantly clear was the lesson of that. Basically we could have everything we desired there with just thought. And as long as all of the souls that were present were in agreement, it would materialize just like the things we see materialize uh, or, or that are material in front of us on a daily basis. But uh, if there was just one soul of dissension, poof, everything would just kind of evaporate and disappear. Um, and, uh, you know, that lesson wasn't really tied to anything else. It was just a poignant, felt like I'm being shown this for a reason kind of lesson, you know. And I have faith that I was shown just what I was supposed to be shown. I, I really wish I could remember more because I feel like I remember one-tenth of one percent or something just a minuscule amount mostly um but the meadow was beautiful and it was uh, uh quite incredible uh going through the wormhole throat i had a knowingness of like when i was flying over the pyramids i, I could stop and i could look around like i said in, in every single direction and i uh I knew that I was not a physical body anymore. I knew that I was just a presence, but I was exactly the same uh, inner soul that I am here. Uh, and it was amazing to realize that wherever I wanted to be in that realm, I could be instantaneously. You would travel just like how I described going through the wormhole throat, but uh, just you know, at, at the speed of light and it really seemed faster. It seemed instantaneous. And, um, I don't know, it's so much, so much to absorb and under those kind of physical, you know, I had a concussion too, when I was there, uh, obviously with CPR, I went through a lot of physical trauma, my neck being in pain, uh, the way it broke and uh i still have dislocated vertebrae in the cervical area of my neck uh two for sure i think it's three dislocated vertebrae um uh but it's a miracle that i survived any of it uh i had a heart attack i had an ischemic stroke i was dead from my heart attack i fell down the steps before the dead part and broke my neck and you know not only were the doctors shocked that I survived, especially after they made attempts to revive me. And, and I don't want to say they failed because I feel like they carried me through death and kept me to the place where I could come back. Uh, so there's no failure. I'm here. I feel, I feel so wrong in my soul to say, Oh, they failed. You know, uh, um, uh, I had viral sepsis, I had lactic acidosis, I had uh, low uh, potassium and low magnesium, um, uh, like I said, a concussion, and it's just hard to process. You know, when I got out of the hospital, I tried to tell some friends, well, I tried to tell some of the medical workers some of this, <laughs> and I've heard other people say it since, like, they don't want to hear it. <laughs> They usually don't. It's just like, oh, you had a bad event. You hit your head. Let's just focus on getting better and everything. And, you know, but I went home in five days. I had my placement after uh, of the defibrillator and pacemaker in, in three days after the event. And I went home in five days from the day of the event. So Sunday it happens. I go home Friday. And then a nurse came by to take care of me two days. She was assigned for longer, but she said, Mr. Swigert, you don't even need me. You're doing absolutely fantastic. It's like, the point is, it's like, I can't explain any of that. I have a degree in science with a major in police science. And uh, from the scientific perspective, and I'm a skeptic, uh, but I'm open-minded. If I can't prove something is not true, then I try to keep my mind open enough to realize then it's still possible, perhaps, no matter how much I personally, <coughs> excuse me, believe or don't believe something might be true. And this was just one of those examples in life that uh, just sound like how on earth can this really all be factual, you know, and, and the, the medical paperwork is 
quite something to have documented. Um, again, I really wish I could remember more. Sometimes reading about other people's near-death experiences or uh, talking to somebody about my own near-death experience or watching perhaps Europad podcasts or some other folks' podcasts uh, can spark a little memory about it. And, uh, you know, I feel like more will be revealed when it's time for it to be revealed. So I don't try to pressure all that. I'm so thankful I remember what I do because I've certainly read on, in a lot of groups online. I've certainly read many times where people, uh, oh, I went through this and this and this, but I didn't have a near-death experience. I, I don't remember any of it. I just woke up at the hospital and what? So uh, it's a powerful experience. Um and every time I talk about it, I feel like uh, I'm not articulating myself. When I first got out of the hospital, I just felt like almost like I couldn't articulate myself. You already know people are going to be thinking funny things about what you're saying. Like, oh, man, he really hit his head hard. Oh, he's crazy now or things of that nature. You know, but then then just trying to articulate it all because it was so much to absorb all at the same time. And then still being in pain. I'm in pain every day anyway even before this happened one thing i'll tell you that's amazing is i uh i definitely am in less pain now than i was before i went through all of this uh my heart's functioning better my heart ejection fraction is 70 and uh 70 is a high normal it was five before the pacemaker and the defibrillator was implanted i can't tell you if that's on a scale of zero to a hundred but I can tell you that five is knocking on death's door for sure. And 70 for the ejection fraction is a high normal. So, uh, you know, obviously if our heart is functioning better, we're probably going to have a lot more tolerance to everything that's a stressor in life. Uh, but my physical pain, I have spinal stenosis throughout my entire spine. I have ankylosing spondylitis and spondylosis. And I have slip discs in all region of all regions of my spine. That's before going through this, which has now left me with three, two or three uh, dislocated vertebrae still to this day. I haven't had any surgery, but I'm in less pain now than before I went through all this stuff. Uh, it, it's uh, so much to to process, but uh, I appreciate folks like yourself. Uh, taking down this kind of testimony that we uh, are able to share this with one another. Um, uh, what a lot of this showed me was the love of people here and in the physical realm that we share, you know, there's teams of people that came to treat me, uh, get me to the hospital and, you know, treat me here at the house, treat me on the way to the hospital, treat me at the hospital. And I, I can never begin to thank everybody enough. I'll never be able to repay back the debt of gratitude and, and gratefulness I have to them. Uh, I don't think I could possibly even meet them all. There were so many people over that five days, so many doctors and so many different nurses and just big teams of medical people that treated me. And, uh, you know, they have faith in a system and they implement the things that they've learned collectively and and uh, stick to protocols and you know scientifically we build upon those things as we learn so that we can refine and evolve the medical science that's practiced and uh you know people working together with faith and love they they care enough to you know do that job sure doctors are a little upset sometimes and not so maybe don't have great bedside manners but Boy, they go through a lot of stuff, many of them. And, uh, uh, you know, they are loving, caring people. Otherwise, why would they be doing what they're doing? But love and faith is always just the resounding message that I can draw forth from my own experience of going through this NDE. And, uh, you know, the love that you feel in heaven is just, it is what we're all seeking. And it does exist. But it's important that we go through our lessons here in this realm, that we evolve our souls so that we'll be ready to ascend. Um, 
I have great faith in that being, uh, you know, a lot of people say the biggest question in life is what's the purpose of life. I feel like the purpose of life is absolutely to evolve our souls to be ready for ascension. Um, I, I also felt like there was a place when I was at the great council in the sky and others were present in the spirit form that I knew like some people passed and ascended and remained to stay and others didn't. And, and my knowingness was that they cycled back to repeat. Uh, so I, uh, believe in reincarnation now, which is something that I didn't really consider as a real likely possibility before. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was raised a Christian. Um, I think it's important to keep our minds open. Uh, but regardless of the details, because they're not important to the message of faith and love. Faith and love is the only message that I think is so important to carry uh, through uh, our lives. You know, a, a lot of folks go through this kind of stuff and they uh, will we'll, we'll talk on our Facebook groups together a little bit and uh, they'll uh, mention that, well, I haven't found what's my purpose because everybody says, you know, or I know that I came back for a reason. So I must have a purpose, of course. And I'm now I'm getting kind of upset because I can't find my purpose. And, you know, the most important thing is not to stress ourselves in those regards, just wherever we are called to show up each and every day. However, in, in whatever capacity, just do the best you can and, and, you know, truly treat others how you would like to be treated if the situations were changed. Lift others up around you. And are any of us perfect? Absolutely not. That's why we're here working on ourselves. But, you know, I just can't emphasize enough about love and faith and, and how important they are. And I always had great faith growing up. And I've always tried to be a helpful person to others. I'm certainly haven't been an angel in my lifetime, uh, but I, I've done the best I can under the circumstances, uh, you know, at, at most given moments. And uh, I uh, just, uh, uh, I don't know, the whole experience is just still overwhelming. Three, a little over three and a half years later, so overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I just, yeah, it's an amazing experience, uh, but the faith that I had growing up, it's stronger now. It was already strong, I felt like. I already appreciated life. Now I really appreciate life. Uh, I was in a car accident April 1st with my lady. It was one of those moments again. You know, I, I don't know how my body took the impact that we just went through on April 1st. This is just a few weeks ago. Uh, what, 23 days ago, 22 days ago, excuse me. <clears throat> and, um, uh, you know, it's quite daunting with these vertebrae dislocated. I really didn't think I could absorb an impact like that. Um, we Neither one of us had any breakages. We had somebody pull out in front of us. Uh, uh, while we were going down the road and uh, we probably hit them at 30 to 35 miles per hour and slammed right into their fender and door on the driver's side with the very front of our car. And even the paramedics and the police that were on the scene, they saw my lady and she said that she was a passenger and, and they were all standing around. They said, well, who was driving? I said, I was driving. I had like one little mark on my nose. And my knees both hurt pretty good, but they're like, you were driving? They couldn't believe it, you know? But it was one of those moments where, you know, people showed up to help us, again, practicing through the faith of the things that they learned and, and sharing love, they're caring about others. And and they carried us through that situation. And uh, life's pretty normal. We're still in pain, uh, but we'll heal bodily, you know? you still get to learn something through all of these types of processes. But uh, again, back to life, I always appreciated life. I just feel like I appreciate it even so much more, but that was a stark reminder of like, boom, it could be just, just like that. We're off on the journey into the next realm again, you know? Um, and I always feel like when I talk about this, I'm going to miss some of the main points. I hope, I hope that covers most of it. I think that's, 
you know, pretty much what I experienced with my near death experience, uh, and then waking up and shocking the nurse and the doctor, but so thankful for all the people at uh, the Western Maryland U UPMC campus. Uh, I pray they watch this and, and that uh, they know that I'll uh, be forever grateful, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, Steve, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Do you Absolutely, Jeff. Do you feel that this experience is more real than living here on Earth, or is it dreamlike? Well, it's not dreamlike, but comparing it to our earthly experience, it's more real than real that we know and share together in the physical realm. We might say it's dreamlike, or I might say it's dreamlike only from the perspective because it's starkly different than the reality we share in the physical realm. But it was not like a dream. There's no doubt it was real. There's a lot of skeptics. And they'll say, well, you know, all these things can happen. We're hallucinating. The pineal gland dumps DMT upon death. And this happened, blah, 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 blah. You know, I always just have one thing to ask those people. And it's that when somebody is declared dead, but then it's after that, and there's witnesses that can affirm what their personal testimony is when they're hovering above their own body and they describe the room and where everybody is in that room after they've been called clinically dead. That's not a hallucination. It's definitely something real. Um, so I don't, I don't, I, it's, it's just real. It's just different real than the physical realm. And, uh, it's beautiful and dreamy in the beautiful dreamy sense, but it's real and it's it's more intense than reality though, because there's like a there's a certainness, a certain knowingness that goes along with it. Um, boy, it's just so hard to explain. Some of my guests have even said that over there is more real than here, and here is like being in a dream. Um, once you've been there, I could say I agree with that quite a bit you know there's been dreams you know in the physical realm i've been asleep and then woken up and then thought wow that was a quite an intense dream but i i came back to this place when you're there and you come back to this place you can certainly see where this is like a dream there's a lot of interesting articles in physics that are mostly speculation but there's some interesting math to back some of this stuff up about do we live in a hologram universe? Uh, are there other dimensions? Yes. Um, and we can speculate and talk about those things a lot, uh, but to me, it, it all falls very closely in alignment with, with those things. Uh, my dad was a, had a master's in civil engineering and a master's in mathematics. And uh, I can't say I have any type of mathematical mind like he does, but I'm pretty well geared for mathematics, uh, more so for physics, honestly. And, uh, you know, uh, I just I really feel like a lot of it's in alignment with with physics and that, uh, you know, medical science is revealing more and more to us uh, recently. Somebody uh was having some imaging done because they were suffering from uh seizures and they passed away in the machine and this is a article that anybody can uh search for online and find uh, quite a quite quickly but uh you know it, it, it's got some interesting results that they talk about and it's some imaging that we haven't been able to capture before but yeah it's definitely uh I don't know. I sure think of this as real, but I know that was real. So yeah, it, it could be dreamlike in comparison, but, but I think they're both real. Since your experience, how have you changed? Not in all the ways I'd really like to, uh, but again, you know, okay. It seemed like as strong as my faith has always been, it seemed like there was always this inkling of doubt it doesn't exist anymore. Um, a lot of people ask, does dying hurt? The physical aspects of my death that I experienced were terrible and traumatic. 
but in the other realm aspects of it once you're out of this body and you realize not that you've been trapped in this body but but you realize now that you're truly free and in this other realm i've never felt the weight of the world fall off my shoulders the way that felt it felt good to not feel any pain because i've had a long life of a lot of pain and uh uh thank god i'm tough and and i can uh deal with it relatively well but uh it was very uh freeing there uh i appreciate every single moment of every day i'm not always perfect you know mr angel mr content i still curse i still get angry i still have an ego you know after death it seemed like my ego was completely smashed but i knew it was still there doing push-ups and uh in it you know ego is just part of something that we all uh have within us that's a part of this realm but it's definitely smaller than it used to be uh i don't want to say i'm a humble man because whoever says they're humble is certainly not humble <laughs> in my opinion uh but, but i i just feel a calmer inside and you know the one aspect of the heart disease that I have is called Takasubo syndrome. And Takasubo syndrome, Takasubo is a Japanese word, and it's the word for the octopus trap. And if you think of the figure eight with a small top and a big bottom, basically the heart resembles that shape when you experience this uh, syndrome. And uh, so that's the drop dead heart attack part of my heart attack by its medical terminology. Um, and I honestly forgot, uh, specifically why I was saying that. That's okay. Let's go on to this. After your experience, have you noticed that you have any new cognitive or psychic abilities that you didn't have prior? Well, I wouldn't say that I didn't have prior, uh, I probably just believe more in myself. I've, I, all my life, I've been able to read people so easily. And there's sometimes there's just this knowingness about others and things like people I haven't even met. And I'll tell them stuff straight to their face. It, it's, it's almost like there's something inside of yourself that says, you must tell these people this right now. You know, it's like a command from a higher realm. And every time I've done that, I've been accurate and shocked those people. Um, like, again, that part of my faith is just stronger. I'm not going to say I'm psychic. It's not something I turn off and on at will. Uh, but again, there's some knowingness that comes with it. Um, I don't I don't feel like any of that's stronger so much as I just I kind of trust it. And I know what its origin is 100 percent for sure now without that doubt if that makes any sense. Um, that's probably a better question for my friends. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've just, I've tried my whole life to just help others and, uh, and, uh, you know, be a caring person, uh, lift others up when they're down because I, I truly know what it's like to, uh, go through some tough times and need a hand out and a hand up. And I want to be that person that can offer the same, but it's important, of course, to take care of ourselves because when we're healthier, we're able to assist others even more so. Um, uh, but I don't I don't think with any of those abilities, you know, I've always healed quickly. Uh, I didn't when my heart was having problems and it took about 15 years for all this. Well, actually, my heart started having problems when I was 26 or 27, uh, but nothing could ever be pinpointed. You know, so this happened when I was 50. I'm 54 today. Mm -hmm. My medical event happened when I was 50. So that was a long time of going through like uh, declining heart health, Yeah. Uh, getting to the place where I was just kind of running out of steam and, uh, you know, some good days, but more bad days. Has any of your friends or family or your lady told you that you're different after your experience and if so in what way well i had one friend that uh uh said that i was different but uh i uh i don't think it was in a good way i think it was just you know kind of uh 
with so much trauma and this and that, I think he was just very skeptical of some of the things I was saying. Um, kind of a sad topic, really, because he's passed away of a brain tumor since then, terribly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think anybody else has said anything. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, I've had PTSD. I was molested growing up. I was, uh, by the Pentagon, uh, on nine 11. Uh, my father was shot in the head in Vietnam. And I remember the family, uh, not talking overtly about it, but talking about it. And this was when I was extremely young, but I remember knowing that maybe he's not coming home. You know, uh, this is another one of those traumatic events and more so I almost died one time of asthma when I was very young, I was blue and I had to live in the stay at the hospital, but live in a tent at the hospital, um, until I was finally doing, uh, better. But, uh, you know, uh, these are the kind of events that, uh, really, uh, would say turn the PTSD on full blast. So. You know, I tried to do my best. And, and here's what I was saying about Takasubo syndrome earlier, actually, to get back to what I uh, forgot when I said I forgot why I brought that up. Takasubo syndrome is, is predominantly a stress-related heart problem. Any kind of stressors in life can be uh, a trigger for it. I'm not saying it's the only trigger. It can just be a factor, a trigger with this Takasubo syndrome. Um, stress is something I, you know, I work extra hard at trying to keep away from me or keep the wolves away from the door. Kind of, uh, I, I don't try to bring drama into my life from other people's lives. I try to, uh, live a relatively quiet life, uh, at this point and, uh, you know, do the best I can to take care of myself within reason, um, hopefully try to pay bills ahead of time. You know, that financial stress is a big stressor. Uh, so if anything, uh, I've always been a little fiery, but it's more like the, the guy that's going to stand up when somebody's truly doing something that's unjust or just not right. I don't pick fights. I've never been like that. And I just, it's not my nature to be that way. But uh, I would definitely say that if if there's been one big change, it's probably I'm a little less patient with uh, tolerating BS when it's happening around me. And uh, I can get pretty fiery pretty quick. Uh, but again, it's always for standing up for, you know, abuse, neglect, things that are just kind of like the immoral things. And uh, and I don't feel like I'm being. Uh, I, I do feel like I'm being objective when I act that way. There's often times where I feel like somebody's got to stand up like, and, but again, that's just my nature, but I'm probably a little less tolerant, but since it's been about three and a half years, a little bit longer, you know, I'll say that, uh, you know, it takes time to heal or it takes time for those, uh, different type of factors to lessen so that, uh, you know, I can become more tolerant again and, uh, more forgiving again, uh, not so hard on myself. I've always been hard on myself. Uh, you know, uh, those are kind of the main changes. I think really just things that are, are PTSD related from the trauma, but they're, they're insignificant in the overall picture. I don't, I don't have, uh, thank goodness. I don't have, uh, bad feelings of ending my life, but you know, the, the thing is with, with PTSD and you know, the traumatic, sometimes it's very hard to talk about all this. Uh, sometimes just reliving the trauma aspects of some of what I went through, uh, you know, it makes me very emotional and, uh, uh not a hurt emotional inside, but kind of a jumbled, unsteady, anxiousness that manifests itself inside. And uh, a great feeling of being uncomfortable often goes along with that. But again, as time goes by, these things are easier to talk about. They're also easier to understand because I'm learning every time I discuss this with somebody. Uh, you know, I usually get valuable feedback and, uh, and your questions are great questions to, to, for me to reflect on for myself, 
you know um i think it's important to uh you know it's always important to change and this is certainly the type of event that can be a great catalyst for change for anybody uh regardless of what the factors and things of that nature are you know have you sorry if i rambled there it's all right have you considered getting hypnotized to see if you can pick up any things that you don't remember well i have considered it um I would say that I haven't uh, deeply uh, considered it at this point, but I have another friend that has actually suggested it and said he would uh, introduce me to a very well-qualified hypnotist. At the point that he suggested it, uh, usually when there's something that's suggested to me like that, if my gut feeling, my intuition says, hey, just wait a little while, you'll know when it's the right time, I'm kind of at that point. You know, uh, now now you've suggested it uh or at least brought the topic up so in my mind it's going to be getting kicked around a little bit again and it's like well that didn't happen by accident you know and it is time to look at it because your preceding question and my answer about being a little bit calmer i was waiting for exactly that a little bit more calmness inside i don't want to be in the middle of a storm and make the storm worse possibly uh, but I now feel at a place where I'm uh, much more at peace with the trauma aspects of it and much less bad emotions evoked discussing it that uh, I think hypnosis could be absolutely a fantastic tool to use. And I'm certainly very open-minded to it. And I'll, I'll probably ask him, or I, uh, let's just say I will ask him now, like, well, let me talk to that guy at least. And if I feel the right comfort and connection, then I'd, I'd uh, definitely go through with that. I think it'd be very fascinating. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask questions or chit chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, yeah, how should they reach you? Steve Swigert, S-T-E-V-E. And then my last name I'll spell is S-W-Y-G-E-R-T. And uh, I'm more than uh, receptive to receive an email. Uh, you'll find my name as I just spelled it on Facebook. So you can add me there or instant message me there. Uh, if you'd like to reach out for email, it's rockandroll at yahoo.com, but it's R-O-K-K-I-N-R-O-L-L. So R-O-K-K-I-N-R-O-L-L, all lowercase, all one word, at yahoo.com. And uh, be happy to, to talk to anybody. All right. Do you have anything that you would like to promote, like a website or a book or anything? No, but I, I do want to write a book, but that's kind of fits in the same thing with the hypnotized part. I, I've already written quite a bit of stuff. It's just, you know, uh, coming up with the uh, the transitions to, let's say I wrote this last week and I wrote this three weeks ago. It's just, I got to come up with the transitions and get everything organized. And uh, I'm probably going to make a timeline with sticky notes and then be able to move those around and say, okay, you know, then I'll convert that into an outline on paper, one outline, and then probably take all those things I've written and put them in their proper places and then read over that. But nothing to promote at this time. I think the most important thing to promote is peace and love, not to sound like an old hippie, but mm. just that, that those are the things, you know, if we were all a little better, each other just a little bit if we put you know one percent of the energy out that we utilize towards hate if we put one percent of that out and instead of being hateful we're loving and caring the whole world would change and it would just be such a better place you know there's uh so much happening that is so against faith and love and uh you know, it's it's hard to, uh, uh, you know, love your enemy. I can't say I can do that on a daily basis, but I know I'm supposed to. I know I should try better, but, uh, you know, uh, just the, I think the most important thing to really promote is just love and faith and just, you know, take care of your own inner circle, uh, your family, your friends, whatever's closest to you, your your work environment. And set a good example wherever you're called to in life at each and every given moment. And, uh, you know, people will recognize you for exactly who you are by your actions. And if your actions are promoted uh, uh, 
through and conducted with love and faith, then other people are going to follow that. Uh, those things bring success into people's lives. And uh, that's, you know, the people that are successful and in, in following the right paths are the people that are promoting the right things. And, uh, you know, it's abundantly clear when somebody's really about love and faith versus not. You know, some people think they're good at pulling the wool over people's eyes and disguising all that. But, uh, you know, for now, uh, those two things, most importantly, and uh, I do hope to write a book soon or, or let's say finish the work that I've been working on. And the same gentleman that uh, uh, suggested that I uh, talk to the hypnotist that he knows uh, has been urging me to write a book and even said he'd be more than happy to help. So um, at at this point, it's, uh, you know, an interview like this, sharing my own event is therapeutic and healing, uh, a little cathartic for sure for myself, but also uh, it can open doors to, to people, to friendships that who, who knows what somebody else might offer. Like, oh, I'll be happy to read and I can actually do this part of it. And, you know, and, and uh, I have already found some wonderful folks in life where i didn't have to say a thing they offered and it's just overwhelming the kind of support and love and faith that's been shared with me you know mm -hmm. uh, i'm looking forward to writing the book but i'm just going to kind of let it happen on natural time and not push too hard at that at this point you know right I was going to ask you for one last positive message but i felt like you just gave me one <laughs> I read minds a little bit. <laughs> I sure appreciate uh, you had great questions and I, I appreciate everything that you asked. It gives me lots to think about for myself and uh, it's a good, good learning experience from that point of view. And I appreciate that very much. Well, Steve, I appreciate you and I um, am thankful that you came and shared with us and I wish you a great rest of your day. And you as well. And uh, I really enjoyed the show and uh, we'll look forward to talking more here soon. All right. Take care. And you too. Thanks very much, Jeff. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.